0: summer stream live here on kfsk with the petersburg public library listen and learn on the victory garden is coming up and we'll get uh public library folks on good morning
1: hi tom how are you good how are you good So, we ready to start here
0: yep i think so you have christina with you as well
1: i do so today um let's see I should say, I'm Kari Peterson from the Petersburg Public Library. And on today's show, Victory Gardens, we'll be talking with Christina Sargent, Mary Midkiff, um, Tom Abbott, and um, possibly Melinda Olson about maintaining and harvesting the Victory Gardens planted this spring. So Christina is the community school garden coordinator. She teaches gardening at the schools and pre-COVID hosted summer gardening camps. She also works at the Petersburg Public Library and um, Mary and Melinda were recipients of Victory Garden um, seeds and planters this spring that were handed out by the market. And Tom, did you did you also participate in that program?
0: I did. Yes, I picked one up, and it's been great. Uh, oh. uh, well, I'll I'll qualify that a little bit later.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn it over to Christina, who is who has joined us here today. Hi
2: Christina. Hi, good morning everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us while we chat about uh, garden topics again on the Library Stream program this week. So I just thought today that it would be nice to kind of um, touch base with people who had gotten some of the Victory Garden planters that we handed out as uh, a partnership with the market earlier this spring. We also um, had done some other things to try to encourage gardening and planting in town this year. The library sponsored a uh, seed swap. Um, Of course, it it was going to be a little different than it ended up being with all the COVID. So uh, mostly it ended up, instead of a big swap, uh, just uh, handing out seeds and encouraging people to plant. So I believe um, Mary also got some seeds from that program. And then we did the Victory Garden program in conjunction with the market. They wanted to sponsor um, some local activity this summer because they couldn't have the market they had some extra uh, time and funds that they could put toward a community project and they thought growing food was the perfect correlation with the market so we kind of um, came up with the idea of, of a, a modified victory garden program to hand out um, gardening boxes and seeds and uh, advice and help um so, um, Mary, if you could tell us a little bit about what uh, what you got implanted this spring as part of the program.
3: All right. Yes. So I did a little bit of both. <clears throat> I got some seeds from the seed swap and then I got some things from the Victory Garden. So I'm not sure which thing I got from where, but I have lots of peas growing Um, I got lots of greens from the Victory Garden. I got some Swiss chard. And honestly, I don't know the names of all the kinds of greens I have. I just have green leafy things. And I pull them off and see if they're edible and throw them in a salad. Um, So I had some planters on my back deck. And so that's where I'm growing everything.
2: Great. And uh, Tom, how about you? What do you have uh, growing? I have...
0: uh... Red leaf lettuce, green leaf lettuce, uh, greens, Swiss chard, uh, oregano, dill, and uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, radishes, green onions, and potatoes, and uh, the lettuce is doing very well, actually, and the dill, the uh, snap peas um, are not doing well. and I've got everything is outdoor and uh, nothing has been covered. And when we were at the beginning weeks, I was watering on a regular basis and obviously have not had to water for several weeks now. Um, but uh, I'm, I've been pleased with it. Um, the chard and the lettuce doing really well. I've gotten, <laughs> I'd say, maybe three three radishes. And uh, the dill and the oregano are doing well. Um, and the, the, uh, like I said, the snap peas and the, uh, the green onion, not so much. But, uh, again, I'd say the, the big success has been the lettuce and the the chard and the chard as well.
2: Yeah, it's been an interesting year with the peas. Normally, um they grow real, really well here and I've usually had a ton of them. And um this year I've had a lot of people tell me their peas did not do well. Um none of I have a handful that I planted at home of a different variety that are doing okay, but they're uh a, they're a shelling pea, not a snap pea. But all the snap peas I planted, you know, at home and at the school, are also really stunted this year and, and I've heard quite a few other people tell me that is also the case with their peas um and then a handful of people have said their peas are doing really well so it's a <laughs> it's a little bit of a toss-up what's going on with peas this year um it, it may depend a little bit on the timing of the planting if we got them in the ground where we had that bit of warmer weather back in April or the early May um or if it just they didn't like the cold and wet this year, but it's a—it's uh, one of the interesting things about gardening um, that you just never know what may or may not do well at any given year.
0: So I have a question. I, Christine, I have a question on the potatoes, which I, you know, understand that that's going to be some time before we see any success with that. But as far as uh, watching the progress at this time, are we to keep, uh, adding dirt and covering up as they as they grow through
2: um so usually typically what we we do is just have them cover up the dirt um you know once or twice in the spring and by this time of year there's not really any point in continuing to hill up because we're getting okay. late enough that any new hilling is not going to encourage new potato growth we don't have a long enough in the season at this point um, okay and that's pretty typical for what I do with the potatoes here. I'll, I'll usually add new dirt and fill them up, usually twice, you know, in the in the spring and early summer, and then just kind of let them grow. Um, so now we should be at the point of uh, just uh, letting them grow for a while. Um, the, the one caveat to that is um, you can kind of see if you haven't hilled up or gotten a lot of dirt above them, as the potatoes start swelling up, sometimes you can see the actual potatoes themselves or kind of peek out of the dirt a little bit, and you don't want that to happen. You want the potatoes to stay covered so they don't get any sunlight. Otherwise, they'll start getting that like green skin, and they won't be that good to eat. But generally, if you've hilled them up a couple of times in the spring, you, they'll be deep enough. You won't need to worry about covering them again. So
0: what's, what about the time frame? When are they good to, uh, to harvest?
2: so it'll probably be, um, end of August, September is typically when I harvest ours. Um, depends a little bit on which variety. And I know we handed out like three or four different varieties at the Victory Garden. So, um, kind of what you want to do is you'll see them as they're growing. They'll probably be flowering, maybe start flowering now, maybe in the next couple of weeks. And then after they flower, they'll, um, the, the leaves, like a couple of weeks, two to three weeks, maybe even a month after they flower, the, they'll just start naturally dying back. The leaves will start turning yellow and kind of drooping and falling over. And that's a good sign once the leaves are turning yellow that they're done growing and you can harvest them. And you can okay. harvest them a little earlier than that. Some people like, especially the small red skin potatoes to do like an early potato harvest and just right after they flower, you can get in there and harvest them. But if you do that, they will be smaller at that point. So if you want, you know, small, fresh potatoes, you could harvest them a bit earlier.
0: All right, thank you.
2: No problem.
1: One thing about potatoes that I always love is fresh potato skins, Um, how they're so flaky like that, you know, how they peel so easy.
2: Yeah.
3: Are you growing any of the potatoes, um, Mary, on your deck? I'm not this year. I've done potatoes in the past in buckets on the deck and I just didn't this year. Yeah, sometimes the peas were actually growing. So I've had some success with peas this year, but I started them in the house and I didn't put them outside till they were probably ten inches tall. That that may have made a difference. Yeah
2: um like I said it's interesting just uh, different techniques and that that is one of the fun things with gardening is trying different things out and and that's probably why I wanted to chat with some of you guys today who are uh, who are not expert gardeners <laughs> necessarily just to kind of get to get the idea out there that you know people should j- just keep trying you know and, and what what works for one year may not work the next year and I know some people get frustrated with that um but it also is, you know, part of the process. I think, and, and to encourage new gardeners to to try different things and um, see what happens.
0: Well, yeah, and this is my first time, and I, it's it, it's fun. I mean, it's kind of it's satisfying. Uh, uh, I certainly couldn't live off of it, but
2: uh, <laughs> but it's
0: nice. It's nice to just uh, you know be eating things that you create, you know, that you grew on your own
2: right um, yeah that was part of the uh, the victory garden boxes you know we uh, there we, we didn't hand out you know an entire uh, half acre garden <laughs> or anything that you could actually you know uh, live off of but we wanted to get um, boxes that were small enough and easy enough that anyone could probably sit them on their deck or their porch or out in their yard and, um, and just get started and, and see, you know, what you can grow. And yeah, you know, the the salad boxes we gave, we figured would be enough for, you know, a handful of salads throughout the summer. And the same thing with the, the greens boxes and, um, and the potato bags. The potato bags were enough to grow, I think, like three potato plants, which you know might be one or two meals. You're not going to get a, you know, a huge harvest of potatoes out of that. But if you get the idea of how easy they are to grow and enjoy it, then you know maybe next year you can um, do a few more buckets or you know do a few in the ground. <laughs> that is one right, of the nice so, things. So, oh, so ahead, how many story. how many
0: how many potatoes basically? are there on you know per plant
3: just um, it, three?
2: yeah it can vary a lot for the varieties. so um I think we get handed out some russet potatoes and those typically tend to be bigger and you might have you know only like three or four good sized potatoes on a plant and then you might get a handful of more little small ones um some of the other ones like the fingerling potatoes potatoes and I do believe there were a few that were handed out but it wasn't the main variety and those are the like long narrow potatoes um th- but they tend to be pretty small but they also tend to be very prolific so you can get a dozen potatoes off of one plant um no, no problem
0: and then going forward after you've uh, gotten your potatoes out can you can you store the the uh, dirt over the winter and reused?
2: Um, So you can, um, generally it's not a good idea to plant the same thing in the same dirt year after year. So the potatoes um, do have a little bit of a tendency to carry a couple diseases around here. There's um, potato scab and it it doesn't actually hurt the potatoes as far as their edibility, but they get kind of little warts or bumps on the skin so they don't look very pretty and they don't store very well because they have those little breaks in the skin. Um, and there's also a couple other potato diseases, some blight and things that are not as common um, but can happen. So generally what I do with my potatoes is I'll reuse that soil for a different type. I'll use it for my salad garden or my greens. Or sometimes if I am have a planter box that's in the ground, um, I'll just add the dirt to that. Okay. And then. So, but if you're doing it all in containers, you know, and like you have the salad and the greens containers right now, um, then you might just switch it up. You might use the dirt from the potatoes for your sure. greens next year. And that gives okay. the, the the dirt and the microbes and things in there a chance to recover if they do have some of those disease bacteria in there, they won't, they'll die off. So generally they use the general gardening idea is to use about three years between growing the same crop. So if you... If you have, like, a a fixed bed where you're not moving and changing out the soil, then you would want to change the the plant and don't grow potatoes again until the third year. Okay. So this
1: is... um... Kari Peterson with the Petersburg Public Library. If you're just joining us, this is Summer Stream Live, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Here we discuss a different topic each week with local experts. Today we are discussing Victory Gardens with Christina Sargent, Mary Midkiff, and Tom Abbott. At the end of this show, we'll have a trivia question with a chance to win a $20 gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. So stay tuned and be ready to call 772-3808 for your chance to win today. Now back to our conversation.
2: Okay, so can you tell me a little bit, um, Mary and Tom, um, what your impetus was to start a Victory Garden or to do the gardening? Um, And was it different this year than other
3: years?
0: Go ahead, Mary.
3: Sure. Sorry, I was muted. This new world trying to figure it out. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I'm talking away and realize no one can hear me. So about 10 years ago when my girls were little and I was staying home with them, I did some gardening on the back deck in containers. And then when I went back to teaching six years ago, I quit. And so this year in the spring, when life got so uncertain and it looked like there were no summer travel plans, I thought, this is the summer to bring back the garden. And so that's kind of what got me started, really thinking I'm here the whole month of June, which I'm not normally. And the girls were excited. And so I thought, this is a good summer to do something different and garden again.
0: Yeah. When my, uh, interest, I guess was, you know, ever since I was a a kid, my, my dad always had a garden going and, um, much like me, didn't really know what he was doing. Um, but he was growing tomatoes and he was growing some, some nice, uh, vegetables. And I always just kind of screwed it all up by mowing and just shaving it all down. And, um, from, from time to time. I didn't do it every time, but um, so I always kind of was interested in, in doing a garden, and then when you guys started talking about it in the community that there was going to be these victory garden opportunities, um, I thought I'd jump on it and give it a try. So this is my very first try at it, and, and it's it's been fun.
2: Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. So... <laughs> um i've been getting um lettuce and salad greens now for you know a couple of weeks and starting off small just picking the baby lettuce um but the the head lettuce is uh coming up uh, i've almost got too much at this point um like like you had said tom it it seems to be a, a good year they don't mind the cold and the damp and sometimes they even even like it um i have had a couple of people who've had the victory gardens talk to me a little bit about some of the pests and problems that they've had with their gardens um have either of you had problems with pests or issues with the the gardens slugs Slugs, yes (laughs) that is uh our
3: nemesis for gardening here in petersburg i think is keeping the slugs out so I have mine up on my deck in buckets, and it's really nice because I never have slugs up there. I never have deer up there. I was telling Christina before we got on the show that I did have a rogue neighborhood cat thinking it was a great cat litter spot. So I <laughs> turned it into Fort Knox with uh, netting and <laughs> toothpicks and the whole thing, and we've taken care of that now. Um, but it's really nice having it up on a deck like that with the planter because I don't have to deal with insects to this point, which has been nice, or slugs.
2: Yeah, and um, I, I do have some, you know, I, I garden in a bunch of different places and it, some in the ground, some up in pots on the deck. Um, and yeah, the deck ones definitely have a much less slug pressure. I'll find one or two occasionally that make their way up there, but it, it's very, very little compared to the ones that are on the ground. Um, so just to give some ideas of some of the things I do to kind of to keep the slug, population at bay and it, it's it, you're never going to get rid of them it's a constant battle here um, but I do go out and just pick them off by hand and some people pick them off and throw them in jars of salt water or I, I tend to just take a pair of scissors or a snip and just as I'm picking them off they, they get uh, <laughs> decapitated <laughs> I figure it's a it's a it's a quick and easy method to get rid of them um, and they are nocturnal so the best time to go out is in like the evening or very early morning before it gets too bright. Some people actually kind of go out after dark with the headlight and look for them and pick them off. I've also found on um, rainy, dark days, they tend to be more active. Um, and we've had plenty of those lately. So you can kind of out and, and just search for them by hand. Um, the others... The couple other things I do is use the sluggo, which is a, a bait that you can put down. And it's actually just um, uh, has some metal um, metal components in it that the slugs, it, it messes with their um I think it's their electrolytes ability and it it sort of kills them, but it's not toxic to anything else. It's not toxic to birds or mammals. It's, you know, it's a minerals that would normally occur in the soil just at really high concentrations. So, um, that, you know, it, it does melt in the rain. So you have to kind of keep putting it back out or you can put it out like under a little uh, upturned rock or a little pot that you turn upside down to keep it from getting too wet. And those kind of dark places, the slugs like anyway. um, So that's another thing I've done in some of the bigger in-ground gardens is just put little pieces of uh, like a board or a piece of plywood or something in the garden. And the slugs like to get underneath that surface. So then when you go out to look for them, you can just flip it over and you'll have three or four slugs under there and then you can pick them off and and kill them. And people also use... um, beer traps or you some people use like yeast or anything that has like a a yeasty and fermenting kind of smell will attract the slugs so you can put a little um shallow container with a little bit of you know leftover beer in the bottom of it and that'll attract them in and if it's deep enough they'll drown or you can sometimes i'll use like just actually the beer bottle they'll and if you kind of slant it down to where they can crawl into the tip easy they'll crawl in there to get that last you know inch of beer and then they can't get back out so that's another way to kind of attract them to some one area and you can try to get rid of them <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've used the uh, the beer too. It's in a sick way. It's pretty satisfying.
2: <laughs> it, it it is. It is. It is definitely satisfying to go out on a slug hunt and find. <laughs> oh, I got you. You're not eating my dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, have either of you had any problems with aphids showing up yet?
3: Or I at all? haven't. No.
0: Yeah, I have not yet either.
2: That that's good. Um that is one thing that sometimes especially if you're growing in a greenhouse or an enclosed space, that they can the populations of the aphids can get really high. Generally outside, I haven't had as much problems with them, although occasionally you might get a small concentration. But you'll see like the leaves will sometimes start turning a little bit yellow, or you'll see very small little like um, blemish spots in them and the whole plant just kind of looks a little wilted and not very vigorous and a lot of times if you see that happening you can kind of look around the leaves and the stems and you'll see lots of little tiny aphids clustered on there and they're just sucking the sap out of the plant and um deri- deriving that energy from it if you get a high enough concentration it can kill the plant um, but typically you can also just you'll just stunt the plant and make it not grow very well not necessarily 100 percent kill it but there's a couple different things that you can do to get rid of the aphids. I thought I'd mention to anyone out there. And I know I have had a couple people around town mention to me that they have had aphid problems. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, you can just spray down with a little bit of soapy water. You put like a couple of drops of soap into a um, gallon of water, kind of shake it up really good. And then if you have a little garden sprayer or even just a regular like spray bottle, you can put that in it and spray down the area where the, on the plant on the underside of the leaves where the aphids are. And that will generally kill them. Um, I have sometimes if it's outside, just go with a, um, an old garden hose and just spray them off and just the physical pressure of, of spraying and washing them down will, will kill will get them off and off and kill them. There is also commercial products you can buy for like insecticides and things to put on them. I don't tend to use any of those. I prefer to do a more organic approach. There are some organic ones like uh, NEM oil is one that I've used just real limited if you have a serious concentration of them. And again, it's just a, a little oil um, that you can buy. And I believe that you can get it at Hammers. I've seen it there before. And you you add a couple of drops of that oil to your gallon of water again and spray it down. So those are some ideas if you're having problems with aphids. And, and again, it's just uh, keeping on top of it, watching the plants and trying to get rid of them before the infestation gets too bad.
1: I find that um, the aphids when I have grown, the aphids tend to show up in August. Like I'll be, my garden and my greens will be doing just fine and then in August I start to find the big concentrations of them.
2: Yeah, I I tend to get um, at the school greenhouse, uh, we tend to get them every summer um, that you'll start getting, again, it's a little bit late in the summer, you know, July or August where you start getting the concentrations of them building up. So one of the things I do up there, because it is an enclosed space, and also usually I'm doing it with the students and they really enjoy it, is to release ladybugs. Um, The ladybugs eat a ton of aphids, and so it can be a natural predator control if you have a population of ladybugs. living in your greenhouse and it, it really does it takes you know we release them and it takes a couple of weeks generally because the larvae stage is what eats more aphids than the adults and so you get a couple of week cycle where you'll still see a lot of aphids but then after about you know a week 10 days all of a sudden you'll see like the aphids just disappear and then they are usually gone for the rest of the season
1: <laughs> nice well i feel like by then too around here our season is done
2: yeah yeah you're getting you're getting you're getting to the end um (laughs) Yeah, so that is another good point, though, I would wanted to bring up. One of the things that we did for people who got the victory boxes was to add a couple packets of seeds for some of the salad greens and the baby greens. And part of the reason we did that was so that you could do a a second or even a third planting in your boxes for a late summer or fall planting. So if you've been eating greens and you've got your salad greens more or less picked out right now, it's a great time, um, usually like of July and early August, I'll do another good seeding, and that'll get you some fall greens.
1: And we do have those seed packets left from the beginning of the summer reading program. We still have several left, so if you would like a seed packet, you can give us a call here at the library, and we can hook you up.
2: Okay, so I think we're getting getting toward the end of the show and wrapping up. I'd like to maybe just ask uh, Mary and Tom what uh, the favorite meal you've made
3: from anything that you've gotten from your gardens yet? Your favorite dish? Probably just all the fun salad greens are probably my favorite. Um, I'm looking forward to peas. Peas are my favorite, and I actually got a couple broccoli starts from somewhere else, and they're starting to get little broccoli heads, so I'm excited about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, mine's just, uh, I've been, you know, enjoying being able to have salads uh, with, you know, just step outside, you know, lay them out, dry them off, uh, and have, have salads with uh, the various greens that I have. Looking forward to seeing what, what happens with the potatoes in about a month or so. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I've gotten three good sized radishes. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been good. It's, it's, just, it's just kind of a fun little thing to do.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, uh, Mary and Tom and Christina. And um, we have a trivia question and the prize is a gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. And you need to call 772-3808 if you know the answer. Christina, do you want to
2: ask a sure. question? Sure. So the question today is that during the um, 1890s Klondike Gold Rush, there was um, a particular vegetable that was so highly prized because of its ability to prevent scurvy that it was actually traded directly for gold. Does anyone know what vegetable this was? If you
1: know the answer, call 772-3808 for your chance.
0: So I didn't didn't get all of that. Can you repeat that again?
2: Sure. During the Klondike Gold Rush, uh, there was a vegetable that prevented scurvy um, because of its high levels of vitamin C, and it was highly prized by the miners. And it was so highly prized, it could be traded directly for gold. Does anybody know what vegetable this is? Wow. <laughs> no, the answer, call
1: 772-3808. Um,
0: so a vegetable that
2: can prevent cure you of you. scurvy? Yes, huh. prevent right.
0: Prevent, okay, Pre- that prevents scurvy.
2: Yes. And so while we're waiting to see if anyone has the answer, I just thought we'd touch on a, a, one more um, category of plant that we gave out for the Victory Garden. We talked a little bit about the salad boxes and the green boxes, which is shard um, and kale. And we also gave out the potato bags, um, which we planted, we gave out in burlap bags to plant. But we also gave out herbs for um, some people to start an herb garden. And while the other um, vegetables are that we gave out and the greens and things are an annual we're hoping the herbs were things that could potentially grow and become perennials if people wanted to start herb gardens they could have them every year we gave out some oregano and some perennial walking onions and so a lot of mint i believe thyme for a few people um so have either of you had uh, herbs that you've been enjoying from the victory
3: garden um, I'm, I'm not a super creative cook, so I was sort of like, hmm, I'm not sure what herbs I'm going to use. I did get the walking onion, and then wife. you gave me seeds, and I planted them, and I have an herb growing like crazy in a little pot, and I don't know what it is. So I keep thinking that it's a little bigger. I'm going to take some and chew on it and see if I can figure it out. So I have a mystery. Yeah. Well,
0: I've, I've been enjoying the uh, the oregano. It's, um, yeah, and, and the dill, the dill is, I mean, it, and they're easy to grow. It seems too. So, yeah. but we do have, we've got a caller that's got a, a shot at the, uh, at the question here. So the question is, uh, again, what vegetable can prevent scurvy? And we've got a uh, caller on line one, uh, with an answer
3: possible answer hi uh is it potatoes it is potatoes <laughs> you, oh. you are correct I and who are we was speaking
2: thinking
0: onions but all right and who's this this is ann oh yeah oh. okay so potatoes
2: yeah and it's yeah, interesting that you I mentioned, mentioned, I onion mentioned
1: onion because
2: onion. yeah um, onion also can prevent scurvy i think in if you get enough concentration of it um so I have heard that, like, in, um, in, historically, sailors would take onions on ships for that reason, too. Um, potato was the one that uh, was particularly valued during the uh, Gold Rush era. It was uh, you know, <laughs> easy to transport, readily available, um, and will grow here in our Alaska climate, which is not always the case um, for other vegetables.
0: Right. So that was Anne Volk. So that's uh, is it, what is it? The, the gift certificate to Singly Alley Books?
1: Yeah, so I'll All call right. them there and let them know, Anne, and you can go directly to the bookstore.
0: All right, great.
1: Well, thank you. And um, thank you for joining us today. And thank you to KFSK and the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making this possible. And um, we'll see you next week. Good
0: afternoon. Okay, good thank day, you. Everyone. <laughs> All right, you too. All right, that was uh, Christina Sargent, Kari Peterson, and Mary Midkiff, and a discussion about the Victory Gardens, which were uh, put together uh, earlier, a couple of months back. And part of the ongoing effort there over at the elementary school with the uh, community garden that is behind uh, Petersburg Elementary School. We'll have uh, Summer Stream Live with Storytime next Thursday, 10 a.m., followed by Listen and Learn with a different topic next Thursday at 10.30.